Welcome to another EverStory short. Well, my name is Mateus Teles Oliveira. Um, I was born in Dallas, Texas, but I grew up in Brazil. My parents were both studying at Criswell at the time. Uh, and once they were done studying, I went to Brazil and I grew up over there. My parents are Brazilian. You know, they were here in the 80s and 90s. Um, and I grew up everywhere in Brazil pretty much. Um, and um, mainly where I stayed the most time was in Curitiba. It's a, it's a city where we have all um, seasons of the year, you know. So it's amazing because I love the cold. And so because there are parts in Brazil where you don't have uh, winter at all, you know. It's summer the entire year. So, <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in Brazil and um, I came back to the U.S. in 2011 to pursue uh, my seminary degree. After I felt called to go to ministry, uh, and I went to Southwestern, very close uh, to Doxology over here, and uh, um, I, I was there for maybe seven years studying. I did my undergrad, and I did some some of my masters as well. And uh, afterwards, I moved to Ennis to be a youth pastor, and uh, also working with the communications. And now I'm back to Fort Worth, uh, working as a communications director. How did you become a Jesus follower? Yeah, tell me a little bit about that story. When I was five, um, I had a, a knot in my intestine. So everything I ate, I just threw up. If you, For example, like children in Africa, you know, if you type that, sometimes you're going to see a lot of kids with the disease that they get a huge belly and they're very skinny. That's how I looked, you know. Uh, I had all these things stuck inside of me, you know. Uh, but I was so skinny, you know. I, I, was, I, I was so weak that I couldn't even lift my head up. That's how much lacking in muscle I was. And so it was just very hard time for my parents because they didn't know exactly uh, what was going on. And none of the doctors could figure it out. And finally, when one doctor said, well, well, I figured out what the problem was, it was kind of already too late, you know. But they decided to go with the surgery anyway with little hopes. And uh, they did the surgery. And as soon as they applied the anesthesia, um, my heart stopped beating. And because my intestines were, they were growing so much that they went into inside my rib cage and so there were it was pressing all my organs you know um and so you know my, my body couldn't handle the anesthesia uh, i died they had to bring me back with the defibrillator, defibrillator. and uh, while they're trying to bring me back some of the doctors come out and tell the news to my parents that i died my dad f- fainted immediately you know and as he's falling down on the ground he's praying god if he's your will for my son to survive i will surrender him to ministry as he's falling down um, God gives, it, gives him this vision of me as an older man bearing him. Um, and he was just laying down in the casket. And so as soon as they pick him up, he said, my son is not dead. My son is alive. And uh, not too long after that, they were able to bring me back and uh, the surgery was a success. A lot of the nurses and the doctors came to Christ because my situation was very severe. And the testimony of my parents at the hospital, no, we were there for like a month. That was... Uh, in my head all the time. Why did God save me from the hospital? Does he have a purpose for me? Well, at the same time in the world, I was growing up and, and there was, I was always being bullied and, and saying that I had no purpose, you know. And so I had this contrast going on in my heart all the time. You know, if God is real, he saved me in the hospital. But the world tells me otherwise, you know, what's going on in my heart? Like, what's happening? And then I always remember the, um, the pastor saying, you know, God loves you. He has a purpose for you, you know. And that was all, that would always hit me so hard. And then one day in my room by myself, I was just contemplating and, and just very hurt by how my teenage years were like, you know, very alone. 
And um, I just, you know, one day in my room, I by myself, I, I told, I told the Lord, Lord, if you're real, I'm a sinner. You know, I've, I've, I've been not living like a Christian. And uh, if, and if you're real, you've saved me from the hospital, and you have a purpose for me and a reason for me, despite what the world tells me. And so I want to give my life to you for the one that is able to give me a purpose. And so that day I gave my life to Christ. And at the same time I was growing up, I've, I was still a very lone Christian, um, you know. And so my spiritual growth wasn't that great. It was only until I, I really got connected to some men at the church that I started to grow. And I started to read my Bible every day. And then, man, my Christian life just skyrocketed. So it didn't turn out to be, we would call this a, like a foxhole confession where you know, soldier, it's in wartime and the soldier's in the foxhole and they say, God, I will, I will do anything I can. Yeah. Just get me out of here yeah. and I will, <laughs> I will bend at your feet the rest of my life. This really did stick with you though. Yeah. I'm not the protagonist in the story. You know, it's not like, man, you know what? God is real. I'm going to do this, you know, whatever. It was like, I was crushed and the Lord was always there. You know, yeah. he was always moving the strings Every time I needed to hear something and an encouragement, he was there to show me. He let my family go through that disease to show himself real to me. Yeah. You know, he's the one. he was the one always moving the strings. It was never me um, being awesome or great in anything. It was, it's always, it was always the Lord showing his glory pretty much, you know. And my only response could only, could only have been one, surrender. And one day I was, man... Back in the days when you didn't have phones, I don't want to sound like an old man, you know, but um, when you didn't have phones, I would go to sleep and there was nothing to do. And so I was just, I would just pray and I would pray for hours and hours. And sometimes I would just, I literally, I remember times praying for an hour and a half. And so in that season of my life, that I was just in this intense prayer time all the time. The Lord one day spoke to me and he said, I want you to go to ministry. Um, and, and immediately I started laughing. Because I didn't see myself as a leader. I didn't see myself as the guy uh, on the pulpit with a suit. You know, I'm crazy. You know, I'm still crazy today. And so the contrast between me and the pastor at that time, I was like, man, that's not like me at all. But immediately I surrendered myself and I said, God, if this is your will, if this is not something in my head, you're going to open the first door. I know, I know for a fact you're going to open the first door. And I skipped this part as well um, whenever previously when I was talking about the ministry. And when, no, sorry, whenever I was talking about the, um, the, my time in the hospital, my dad had that vision, right, that, he, that was burying him. But he never told me about the prayer of surrendering me to ministry. He never told me. And so I was just praying, praying. The Lord was just, you know, on my heart, mm-hmm. you know, when I was, whenever I was around 16, 17. I want you to go to ministry. I want you to go to ministry. And at one point I was like, okay, let me tell my parents what's what I think the Lord is telling me and so I tell my parents hey I think the Lord wants me to go to ministry immediately they start crying and I'm like okay sorry guys I know I'm not gonna make a lot of money you know <laughs> <Yes>, sorry <right. laughs> but it's better How than being a musician you know yeah exactly yeah uh, and then they started crying and, and they told me about the prayer that my father did at the hospital that blew my mind immediately and that was the confirmation that I needed uh, that, I, that I knew this was not coming out of my head but this was something that the Lord that my father made a promise for the Lord, and I was coming to to fruition uh, 16, 10 to 12 years later, you know. And so that was a confirmation that I needed. And it was awesome again, not me making things up, the Lord moving and, you know, showing, revealing himself at the right time to for his purpose and for his will, you know. And so I love that. Wow. 
That's a great story. Tell me a little bit about your family. My family's awesome. Okay, we're very, we're very crazy. Um, my dad, um, super cool guy, very driven guy, works a lot. My mom is a saint. Uh, she's extremely nice and super cool with us. And uh, I have two sisters. Um, they're both younger. Uh, one of them is a doctor. Uh, she's a teacher at um, UNT, um, counseling uh, professor. Uh, and uh, my other sister, she's getting married now in December, and she's going to go to Brazil mm-hmm. for a period of time, and she's going to be coming back um, next year as well. So it's a Saturday afternoon, and in Texas it would have to be in November, so it's not 112 yeah. degrees. Uh, what's What will we find you doing? I will probably be outside with my family. I mean, the weather now it's you you gotta be outside there's no way you gotta 100%. you gotta take the sun you know yep. um and so i'll probably stay be spending time with my family you know um i have a, a son that he's uh five months old and i have a daughter that she's three uh years old and so just spending time with them you know um and probably at my parents house at the pool just putting our feet you know not yeah, yeah, <laughs> not yeah. completely diving into the pool because <laughs> you know it's not the weather the type of weather right now you know but you know just letting the kids run wild and as I spend some time with my wife, drinking some tea or some coffee, yeah. that's what is probably what I will be doing. Yeah. I, yeah. I was just thinking about summer. We don't, we hide. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, it's so hot. It's so hot. You know, it's, it's so, crazy. I know yeah. there are people around here that like it, but uh, we're from Idaho, yeah. so Northwest. Yeah. And <laughs> I just look at people. I can't, I mean, we're in shorts in the winter here. Yeah. Yeah. And people are in parkas. So I get it. But uh, in the summertime, it's just, yeah, it's, it's pretty insane. It's ridiculous. All right. Um, favorite food? I would have to say Japanese food. I love sushi. I love um, ramen, you know. Um, man, I just and love... And there's kind of a Japanese influence in Brazil. Is that right? I would say so. We are in Brazil. Uh, there is the most amount of Japanese people outside of Japan. Right, right. Also, surprisingly, also Italians, you know. Uh, U.S. is in third place of mm-hmm. most Italians outside of the uh, I- Italy, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But um, we we had a lot of immigrants coming in after uh, World War II. What's I was looking at these questions. What is your? I don't I don't think I wrote this one because I don't even understand it. What is your aspirational nickname? Yeah, I don't understand that question. <laughs> I don't, either. What, what does that well, mean? Well, I got this. I found it in a Google Drive. Yeah. I was like, oh, somebody's already made a little template, and I kind yeah. of gone through there and looked at it and said, yeah, most of this work. But I don't know that I had ever paid attention <laughs> to this one question. Do you think you do have an aspirational nickname? What, what I wish I was called? Is that I what think it is? so. I have a funny nickname, okay? Oh, that works. Um, when I was younger, you know, whenever, since because I had the, the surgery, I was very skinny, and so I was going to be very small. And so the doctor said, Let's um, give him uh, some sort of hormone for him to grow. And so I was taking needles every day. Oh, nice. And so it would take all my fat and turn into muscle. Oh. Uh, and it also stretch my bones. Oh, and it's so like steroids. Pretty much, yeah. pretty much. And so um, at one point, this is like fifth grade. All the kids are like showing their muscles and whatever, you know. Hey, look at me, I'm so <laughs> muscular, whatever. And they're like, Mateus, show your muscles. And I'm like, I'm super skinny, you know, I'm like, whatever. And so I show my muscles and this huge ball just shows up because I'm ripped because of the hormones I'm taking, you know. And people are like freaking out like, oh, my gosh, you're so ripped. What's going on? And so one of the kids said that I ate a whole potato and went directly into my arm. And so from that day on, since I was like 
until I was like 21, my nickname, my nickname was Potato. And when I came to the U.S., I, I worked at a childcare, and um, and then there they would call me Mr. Potato. And so you know that I haven't been called Potato in quite a while, you know. But <laughs> neither Mr. Potato, you know. But uh, but that that's the nickname that I had for the most of my life. Okay, so now we're gonna have to work. I'll have to share that with Cameron. Sounds like a deal. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to harass you with Potato. Sounds like a deal. References for the rest of the time you're here. Okay. <laughs> Favorite travel destination on your bucket list? Uh, I want to really want to go to Japan. I want to go to Japan. I love Japanese culture, and I want to go to Europe with my wife because my wife, um, she, her, her father is German, and uh, she went to Europe for a year to study over there. Her German is perfect, yeah. And so she she really wants to take me there, and I really want to go to Europe as well um, to take a look at things. And you know, she would be the the best uh, tourist guide I could ever ask for. So yeah. Yeah, my daughter loves Japanese art. Yeah. And books and everything else. So she's always cool. Im- immersing herself in that culture. You'll mention that when you go out and she'll be excited. Yeah, l- let's bring bring her in right now. Let's talk about some anime, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> DJ. <laughs> Come here. Come here. We're talking about anime. <laughs> oh my gosh. What do you have a favorite character? Oh, because you've moved on? I don't like it anymore. Uh, well, you still do the art Sailor and stuff. Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. That's cool. That's from the 90s. This, they probably have a newer version, you know, but yeah, that's a pretty old one. That's cool. Yeah. I like Sailor Moon a lot. Cool. Cool. Anybody else? What? If you could be an anime character, do you know who you'd be? <laughs> I honestly don't know. Probably Sailor Moon. Again with the Sailor Moon. Yes. Okay. She's like one of my favorite characters. I don't know. I would recognize it. I think if I saw it, I would recognize yeah, it. Yeah, she's right? a blonde character with a uh, Japanese high school uh, uniform. And it describes like all of them. Well, so yeah. I can't, dis- <laughs> <laughs> I can't discern. <laughs> I can't discern between the characters. She can. She has a black cat with oh, yeah, a moon. Yeah, oh, I think I do know that yeah. one. Magic cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just excited to be here at Doxology. You know, I'm. I'm really excited to be part of the team, and I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do through me here at Doxology and where Doxology is going to go in the next couple of years as well. Um, I'm just very excited, and I want to see the Lord move. I want to be here. Where God is, I want to be. You know, that's where I want to be. And I see God moving in Doxology, so I definitely want to be here being part of this movement. Story is a production of Doxology Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If this is your first time listening, make sure and hit subscribe and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Doxology Bible. Want to share your story of transformation? Message us on Facebook or email us at stories at doxology.church.